I am a big sucker for prison films. I love a good prison movie. This, that may be more than the that's audience a, is ready to hear. That's I know, I know, I know. That's your I t-shirt know. quote. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why didn't you take a picture of the last longer? Uh-uh. And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Spearsy! Ah! Brad, you scared the hell out of me. What? Hey, I think I found the perfect guest host for this week. Later, man. Later. Can't you see I'm watching MASH? I'm trying to get into the whole, you know, 1983 thing for the podcast. I think this might be the series finale. Oh, oh, is this the one where the war ends and, and BJ leaves a message for Hawkeye? He spells out goodbye and rocks and he doesn't see it until he's flying away in the chopper. Well, thanks a lot, man. You ruined the ending. Seriously? 30 years later, you want to call me for spoilers? I thought you knew. Anyway, guess who the host is? I don't, I don't want to. Come on. I'll give you a hint. She's been a fan of the show for five years now. A she? Well, that narrows it down to two or three people. She sent in a bunch of PPTMN questions, and she's pretty good with getting the seggy answers, too. Nope. I got nothing. Come on, man. She gave us a box of candy for the junk food episode. <laughs> Still drawing a blank. Sean Daly. Sean effing Daly gave this person her own theme song. Natalie Diffin. Do not say Natalie Diffenbaugh. Sorry, dude. Hello, boys. Oh, hell no. Oh, just kidding. It's me, Carol Jansen, your old buddy from Seattle. Carol, Carol Jansen! I say enough of the sausage hang, guys. Time to get a woman involved here. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, and today we cover the movie busts of 1983. Oh, God, I wish I was a loofah. Look at that. That's... Insert obligatory boob joke here. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've moved up to like we're, 10th grade humor, yeah, we're, 6th grade we're, humor. We're, we're strictly below the belt now. You know, it's kind of ironic that Carol Jansen's theme song is She's a Beauty by the Tubes because that song, too, was released in 1983. So welcome to the show, Carol Jansen. Yay. Thank you, guys. Oh, glad you could come on. You had to kind of freak Attitude. us out. Freak us out a little bit with the tranny voice there, though. Yeah, that's all right. deeply troubling. <laughs> so five years you've been listening to the show now? At least five, because it was, oh, back in 2009 when you had the, the Starfighter show. Last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. One of my favorites. So then you were one of the few fans who have been deemed worthy of having their own theme song, and I think we added that shortly afterwards. Aww. So that's nice. So, we're, so you live in, you, we say the Pacific Northwest, but specifically you live where? Oh, I'm not going to give you my address. No, no, no. <laughs> so if I wanted to, you know, just no, stop by Seattle. and check out the fridge. <laughs> Home of the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, I've never heard of them. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Seattle. Are you moving to Oklahoma City? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we'll give up one winning team. That's it. Jeez. 
The Supersonics were a winning team? No. In 1979. Yeah, okay. Like I said. <laughs> and uh, obviously also joining us this week, uh, our old friend Brad from L.A. That's me. Back again where they, for more punishment. Where they have no football. We have everyone's <laughs> football. We don't need our own. We can just watch all of yours. That's good. You can have any of the teams from Florida, any of them that you want. The Lord wants you to put your foot on their balls and believe in it because that's what wins football games. So 1983 – we're going to talk about the movie busts from that year. And this is a series that has kind of uh, ebbed and flowed over the last year or so. We started doing this by talking about the pop culture busts of each year. And when we got to 1983, we were all looking at the TV shows and the pop culture trends. And yet we all ended up picking one movie from 1983 that we thought really needed to be defended for one reason or another. So, right, we've each got one movie. We're going to defend it today. And we're going to try to sleep well tonight afterwards. I, oh, yes. I'm on board with that. Okay, so. Mine's better than yours. <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> we'll find out Way soon better. enough. We'll find out soon enough. Okay, uh, Brad, I'm going to give you the honors. What movie from 1983 are you going to defend on our Movie Busts of 1983 podcast? My pick for this year's Movie Busts is none other than Dan Aykroyd's first solo starring role as a medical professional in this case that's right dr detroit don't you stop so before we started on this uh did you know that devo does the theme song, which is probably the whole reason I was interested in this in 1983. Yes, I did know that, actually. It's the one thing yeah, I did it, know. Maybe one of the better things to come out of this. It's definitely in there, kind of synth era, oh no, it's Devo kind of sounding stuff. Let's play a little bit more of it then. Oh yeah. So tell us about the movie. So if you're not familiar with this, this is your kind of classic fish-out-of-water story. Um, Aykroyd plays Clifford Skridlow. We are introduced to him uh, as he is out for his morning power walk, looking like a gigantic <laughs> dork, wearing uh, like rear-view mirrors on his glasses and you know, striding purposefully through the city of Chicago. Uh, while a big uh, Lincoln Continental stretch limo drives alongside him and the people in the car checking him out. And the people in the car are, as it turns out, uh, Smooth Walker, who is a pimp, and his uh, crew of ladies. Uh, <laughs> what a great name. Yeah, Smooth Walker. You could do worse. Smooth. Uh, and the first thing that struck me when I saw this again a couple years ago is how young and how skinny Aykroyd is. It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> um, but uh, so the movie progresses again. It's just basic fish out of water story where Skridlow is a, a professor of English literature uh, and he gets kind of sucked into uh, Smooth Walker's world as Smooth is trying to get out of a debt and find somebody to kind of take the fall for him. You are in this with me. I'm not going down alone. Wait a second, man. What are you talking about, man? It's not my fault that you spent all that money on yours. Diablo, I didn't say it was your fault. I said it was your problem. Now we have to find ourselves a patsy, okay? Now what kind of patsy are you talking about? I don't know. 
somebody who could be Dr. Detroit. Basically draws him in and puts him in charge of his his uh, bevy of young ladies. And so he becomes a professor by day and a pimp by night. And, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. It's kind of the way I see this. This is kind of a trilogy. The My Double Life is a Pimp trilogy, which includes <laughs> Dr. Detroit, Night Shift and Risky Business. And, and who could happen to anyone? <laughs> it really could, apparently, if the movies are to be believed. And Chicago is apparently a hotbed for this kind of thing. And, and who plays Smooth Walker? Smooth Walker is Howard Hessman. Oh, man, I love him. Yeah, and he's I mean, it's he's he's perfect in this. You know, there's a scene where he's trying to get his driver to beat him up because he wants <laughs> to go to mom who he owes tens of thousands of dollars with a bunch of like a black eye. And so he's like, come on, I want you to hit me. I'll make it real easy for you. I got everything. You got nothing, right? I'm the boss. You ain't jack shit. I am white. I don't even know what you are. Hey, man, I'm black. All right, then try to remember that my grandfather owned your grandfather. Your mama? That's good, Diablo. That's good. Oh, my God. Uh, your ass. Take it easy. Take it easy. Not the teeth. They don't tell me what to do. You want to kick your ass and I'm going to kick your white mother in ass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The other great character in this is Kate Murtaugh, who I don't think we saw enough of in the 80s or ever as Mom, who was the, the kind of mob kingpin for Chicago. It's just it's hilarious. She's perfect in this role. You know, on paper... Mom is the boss? Yeah, her name is Mom. Her character's name is Mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on paper, this sounds like a great movie. I mean, I'm surprised it well, didn't do better. The studio thought it had a huge hit on its hand. I mean, they were... There's a, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's a kind of a joke thrown in at the very end of the credits. You know, coming next summer, Doctor Detroit Two: The Wrath of Mom. I thought that was hilarious. Well, then I, I did some reading, and they thought this was going to be huge. Uh, Ackroyd was working on the sequel script to the sequel before it just tanked, and they pulled the plug on it. How did it go so bad? I mean, you have Ackroyd, who at that point in time could pretty much do no wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's very by the numbers. I think that's the best thing I say is it's very by the numbers. Uh, every character is a trope. You know, they all kind of do their part. And it's it's not bad. It has some funny moments, but there's just not, I don't know. There's It's a, a weird movie. <laughs> Brad, the best thing that came out of Dr. Detroit was Dan Aykroyd got a date. Oh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, that's right. Dan Aykroyd met his, uh, met his future wife on the, on the set, Donna Dixon. Yeah. Yeah, Fran Drescher talks a little bit about that in one of her biographies because she was friends with both of them. And uh, he actually proposed to Donna on Fran Drescher's front porch. And uh, against all odds, they're still married and have three kids. See, that's weird because I always thought I had always thought that Ackroyd had met Donna Dixon on the set of Spies Like Us. No, they were already together at that Uh, point. They were married at that point. Jeez. Punctuality is a virtue, my good madam. Let's chew the fat. Just what that's supposed to mean? Nothing personal, love chunks, but can we get to it? You know, I hate to come down from Wayne County. I have businesses in Lansing. I have muffler shops, chicken change. I got slums to collect the rent from. I have a chiropractic practice. I make adjustments to the human spine. And this little trip has cut far too much into my professional time. So so Drescher and Dixon were both playing prostitutes? Yeah, and it's, you know... It's- it's a weird movie. For a movie that's about prostitution at its core, there's almost no nudity in this. The only nudity in the whole thing is <laughs> when Smooth Walker is trying to kind of introduce 
Dan Aykroyd's character to the life of Vice, they're watching a, a porno flick in his penthouse apartment. Like they're rolling a film. You're like, wow, a <laughs> film? Really? You mean you couldn't just get it on the internet? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there are some funny set pieces. You know, at the very end of it, you know, there's the classic, you know, I'm supposed to be in two places at once. Oh, it's good luck that the pimp's ball and the university society function are both at the same <laughs> hotel. And, you know, so Dan Eckhart is running back and forth between these two events in his tux. And this, this cracked me up. His tux pants, he keeps turning his tux pants inside out to go from one to the other because his tux pants, of course, are lined in purple satin. Well, sure. <laughs> Was, so, wasn't your prom suit? Well, when I buy a tux, I will make sure that the pants are lined with purple satin so that I can, you know, go get on stage with James Brown. That's it. James Brown has a, is in this. If anybody is a king here tonight, it is this man, Mr. Try Me, Mr. Please, 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 Mr. This is a Man's World. I give you the hardest working man in show business, ladies and gentlemen, James Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw That's the clip. amazing. I'm like, what's that all about? <laughs> well, now, so 1983, we would have... We Brad and I would have been what sixteen years old. Uh, yeah. So did you see this in the theaters? I probably did, because this would have been when I was working at the movies. So I would have seen it. You know, th- and that's the thing. My, you know, my standards for movies were very low then because I didn't have to pay. So like one funny line was enough. I would like it. So right. Carol, did you see this movie in '83? No. No, I was about 19, and my brothers went to go see it with my dad, but I had absolutely no interest, and still, <laughs> still don't. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> what? A 19-year-old woman in the 80s doesn't want to see a movie about <laughs> pimps and prostitutes? prostitutes? <laughs> I don't understand. Maybe if maybe no, if Tom no, Cruise no, no. <laughs> yeah. So, now, where else have we seen Kate Murtaugh? This is, uh, this is, I have a theory about Kate Murtaugh, Steve. Um, I honestly can't tell you. She is the waitress on the cover of Breakfast in America. Oh, man. What? True. True fact. Uh, I have a theory about the cover of Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. One of my greatest uh, Photoshop jobs ever was putting Steve in that <laughs> picture. People are scared of I that. I loved it. As well, they should be. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, yeah, it's, yeah. So that actually, that album won the 1980 Grammy Award for Best Recording Package. Meaning that album cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you could win one for that. Well, hey, you know, I think about all kinds of stuff. I'm going to trump uh, Doctor Detroit with my with my pick for uh, the for 1983. Um, I give you the classic schmaltz that is John Travolta in Staying Alive. So I used to be pretty incredible myself when I lived in Brooklyn. Really? What happened? I moved to Manhattan. Whatever. Oh, so dismissive. Let me get but this. I'm with Carol. Here, okay, pop quiz. <laughs> pop quiz time. What's the difference between staying alive and staying alive? Uh, Human cannibalism in the Andes? Uh, Stayin' Alive with the apostrophe of course, is the uh, the song by the Bee Gees from 1977, uh, the one that's also on the soundtrack for Saturday Night Fever. Staying Alive, of course, is the movie and sequel to Saturday Night Fever starring John Travolta as dancer Tony Manero, set six years later now, moving from Brooklyn to Manhattan to pursue his dream of being a Broadway dancer. Yes, I got it. You kidding me. When do I start? What time? Where? 
All right, thank you. Thank you. I'll be there. Way to go, Monero! Pass. Not interested. I did not see this, I'm sure. I I look at that poster, and I'm like, check, please. Yeah, I watched it the other night, and... I just hated that last hour of all the slow motion and the dancing. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to turn it off and go watch Roller Boogie again. <laughs> I wanted to turn it, it off and watch horrible. Boogie Nights again. But no, the the <laughs> montage, the montage is awful. I mean, it really it's bad. is bad. Yeah. But there's something about this movie. It comes on all the time on like AMC or TNT. And it had just come on like two or three weeks ago, which is I think what gave me the idea to to pick this one. And there's something about it where I cannot turn it off. It was uh, directed and co-written by Sylvester Stallone. It is the only film other than 2013's Homefront in which Stallone has written it but does not appear in it, although he does have a little bit of a cameo row. Yes. Um, the studio wanted Stallone to play the part of the director in the movie, uh, the, the Broadway show oh, director. Yeah, the show director. For those who forgot, the show's called Satan's Alley. It's a journey through hell that ends with an ascent to heaven. And you might think it's simple, but if it's going to work, you got to bust your asses. But uh, Stallone didn't want to do it because he didn't want to detract from Travolta, and the studio didn't want to have to pay the $2 million uh, that Stallone was getting in those <laughs> days for a movie. Travolta would later on go on to say that Stallone uh, was one of his favorite directors to work with because Stallone knew how to make him look really good on screen, which I got to admit, you know, Travolta looks yeah. pretty good on screen. All, all glistening. Yeah, little baby oil goes a long way. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, is this the beginning of the end for John Travolta's you know first phase of his career before yeah. fiction brought him back? Yeah, yeah, I he think so. he he was in one other. Re- well, he was I think maybe it might have been 1983. Didn't Two of a Kind with Olivia Newton John wasn't that also 1983? Yeah, yeah, that was awful. And then later in the 80s, he had another movie, uh, The Experts. Uh, where he plays um, kind of a numbskulled uh, New Yorker who gets recruited by the Russians to open up a nightclub in the Soviet Union to help them train their spies. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen it. It's <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> it's Gosh, a, how did I miss that? It's, it's a really. It's where he meets. Put that Kelly. in my Netflix no, queue. No, I'm telling you, it's it's good. It's a good movie. It's got Deborah Foreman in it, so you know it's good. Oh well, sign me up. And it's got Kelly Preston. It's where he met his wife. So, oh, well. so it's wow. not bad. But yeah, yeah. After, this... uh, is that after Secret Admirer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Secret Admirer is what, 1985? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How I know these things is weird. Um, I spent too much time. Brain is a dark and twisted place. Yeah. So like I said, th- this movie takes place about six years after the events of Saturday Night Fever. Tony Monero uh, has left home. In fact, almost nobody from Saturday Night Fever appears in this movie except for his mom. And you see his mom in the final scene. Monero is now um, kind of working odd jobs while he's pursuing his dream of being a Broadway dancer. Um, his girlfriend, played by the great Cynthia Rhodes, who we might Yay. know from other movies as what, people? Name some other Cynthia Rhodes movies. Oh, gosh, I couldn't do Flash that. Dance, Flash Dance. Flashdance. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Xanadu. Is... Oh, yeah, Xanadu. <laughs> of course, Xanadu. What are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so she's in there. So. So she plays like the very understanding girlfriend to Monero. Um, they oh, find- stupid girlfriend. <laughs> she does put up with a lot, doesn't she? Oh. <laughs> so he finally lands uh, a part in a big Broadway show deliciously titled Satan's Alley. Ooh. 
Through a series of lucky breaks, he's given the chance to replace the lead male dancer, but only if he can set aside his personal selfishness and embrace the fact that he's dancing for the audience, people. I give you a chance for leading a Broadway show and you walk out the door? Who cares? Who cares? Nobody has to care. In this business, I don't have to care about you. And you don't have to care about me. And if you can't follow that, follow this. You want to dance here? You follow my rules. It's not a democracy. You know, you are not the greatest dancer to ever hit Broadway. What you have is anger and a certain intensity, and that's what I need to make this show work. What do you think? You're so terrific, you're going to go out and you're going to score another show? Is that it? The best thing that you ever scored in your whole life is Laura. But you even blew that because you got too heavy with her. You're different kinds of people. And no matter how much you carry on, you're never going to change that. If you had half a brain that thick skull of yours, you'd stop worrying about trying to change other people and start worrying about changing yourself. Everybody uses everybody, don't they? Go to hell, Monero. Wait, you mean he has to learn a valuable lesson? Yes, of course. It's, a, <laughs> it's the 80s. You have to learn valuable lessons. Oh, Smokey is the bandit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so it's, it's kind of an interesting movie. What's kind of sad, though... Is that um, critic? It, it was very successful at the box yeah, it, office. It, it was this. I was going to give you a bad time when I saw this because I was looking up how Doctor Detroit did, and it was like you know number sixty eight for the year in box office. It barely made a million and a half dollars. Right, this right. was like a top ten box office. Yeah. Movie well, nineteen nineteen three was nineteen eighty three was not exactly you know a blockbuster year, but uh, it, it earned sixty five sixty five million. One of the best performing movies of eighty three. However, however, critics. Hated it. Yeah, they savaged it. Entertainment Weekly um, ranked it in nineteen in two thousand six. Entertainment Weekly said it was the number one worst movie sequel ever made. At one point, it had a zero on it's, Rotten Tomatoes. It still has a zero. I looked today just to make sure. Um, wow. I, I don't think this podcast is going to raise the rating at all. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. Carol, Carol, can you guess what would be the number two? Worst movie sequel ever made, according to that ranking. It is an 80s movie, and it does have Dan Aykroyd in it. Uh, Blues two. Brothers 2? No, that was like uh, – that Was like. Was there a Blues Brothers? I don't know. There was, was a that. Blues was Brothers like 2. Blues Brothers 2000. Oh. Uh, but no, is it uh, Ghostbusters 2? No. no? 19, I'll give no. you another hit. 1988. 88. Has Chevy Chase in it. Spice Like Us 2? <laughs> Doctor? Features a, theme song, th- features a theme song from Kenny Loggins. Oh, Caddyshack 2. Caddyshack 2. Great oh, theme yeah. song. That theme song is the best part of that movie. Nobody's fool. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we interviewed uh, Kenny. We, we talked about that, and he's like, "God, you guys really are stuck in the '80s." <laughs> is from the Pacific Northwest as well, a little town of Everett, Washington. Kenny Loggins. Yes, sir. I had no idea. Is that where he learned yeah. how to shave his beard in a jaunty style? Yeah, he's a local boy from the local hipsters who weren't yet hipsters. <laughs> Easily one of my favorite interviews. There were a couple of nice things about this movie. Uh, Far From Over was a song that uh, Frank Stallone, Sly's brother. Yeah, that's a great song. I didn't yeah. realize it was in this movie. Yeah. 
some awards or something? It did. It was it, it, first of all, it peaked number ten on the Billboard charts. Um, it was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for best original song from a movie. It lost to uh, Irene Cara's "What a Feeling." Crazy. Oh, association. yeah. Now, and, see, that's a good song. That's a really good workout song. Put on your iPod and run on the treadmill. I like that song. Far from song. over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with I'm with Carol. It's a good song. Yeah, and the soundtrack for the entire movie itself was nominated for a Grammy Award. But it too lost a flash dance. We've already, I think, in the last couple couple shows, we've determined that the Grammys had no idea what they were doing yeah. in the eighties. You know, we've never done a podcast on flash dance, really, Ooh. ever. I don't think we've. I don't even really think we've ever mentioned it all that much. Would that mean I'd have to watch it? That was going to be one of my picks, but it it did too well. It wasn't really a bust. Right, right. And the only reason I get it, this one in under the under the wire is because it was so critically savaged. Because yeah, it just got it beat up. Sucks. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of other movies like that, or not a lot of other movies that just got destroyed by the press, but that made a ton of money like that. There's probably a handful. There's probably like a half dozen. I think we've talked. Maybe about Independence them. Day. I mean, Maybe. critics hated that. But yeah. That's not 80s, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And and I also think that the way that you know the the way that movies are reviewed and people get their information has changed a lot too that that chicken there from general hospital was so annoying <laughs> oh my everybody God. uses everybody <laughs> now, what is, what her is name? that crap Fanola hughes oh look tony i'm not playing with anyone i invited you here tonight because in a way i thought you were interesting most of these people here are interesting what are you so upset about there's a lot of nice looking girls here i came here to be with you and I'm expecting someone else. Why did we even start this thing up, huh? Start? Look, you came to me, remember? You didn't do nothing, right? It was just me. Whatever. Vanola Hughes, yes. No, her her accent, and I think they said the word whatever in that movie more than uh, more than I did in the 80s. Wow. That's saying something. It's, it's it's not good. There's no. She's the worst actress in that movie by far. Um, the the Satan's Alley, the the dance thing they're doing oh. is is awful, and single handedly made me never want to see anything ever on Broadway because I thought they were all well. They all <laughs> Wait a minute, Steve. When you went to New York, didn't you go to a Broadway show? Oh yeah, I've been to mil- I've been to to hundreds of them, but but at, in 1983 when I saw this movie, I thought. <laughs> Every Broadway is that what show. It's about? Forget it. Yeah. I'm like, is it just a bunch of people prancing around on stage? I, I don't want to see that. You know what I read in the the liner notes on that movie was someone else had a cameo in the background. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. yeah. Really. There's a couple other cameos. Um, obviously, well, we, um, we know Patrick Swayze can dance. So yeah, uh, Frank Stallone, who sings the song, he is he has a cameo in there. He's a member of uh, Cynthia Rhodes' band, which is like her part time gig. Yeah, the rhythm guitar guy. Right. Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi is also in that band. What? Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, you see Stallone. You see Sly Stallone on the street. Um, uh, Tony bumps into him on, while walking down the street, and he turns around real quick, and so you can see that it's Stallone. Um, walking here. A couple other characters from Saturday Night Fever were supposed <laughs> to be in there, but their scenes were ultimately cut, and uh, we never got to see them. Okay, Steve, tell us how it ends. That's the best part. Oh, okay. So it ends, you know. Monero gets the job. He is now the lead dancer for Satan's Alley, which I just like to say, Satan's Alley. <laughs> Does the dance of his life. His mom is there to watch it. He gets off stage. You know the the crowd's erupting with joy. 
he goes to uh, his girlfriend and says, you know what I want to do right now? Strut. <laughs> and he walks out the door. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Cue to the Bee Gees song and chills all over my skin. You know what I want to do? What? You know what I want to do? What? Strut. Okay, Carol, your turn. Uh, you've made fun of our picks. All now it's, now it's our turn us, to make fun of bring yours. Bring us back. Yes, bring us back no, to no, Times no, no, Square. No. <laughs> My pick for 1983 is Bad Boys. I see you're responsible for the death of an eight-year-old boy. That was an accident. An accident. How about these other charges? Driving a stolen vehicle, assault with a deadly weapon, attempted robbery. I suppose they were accidents, too. How do you feel about what went down? About the so-called accident? I'd like an answer. I don't have one. Not the Will Smith version, right? Is this the prequel to Cops? No, no, no. This was the original. (laughs) This is the good one. Oh, the good one. Okay. This, This had a great 80s cast. Sean Penn... This was his next big role following his breakout in Taps, what was that, in 81, and then Fast Times, but it it just didn't do that well. It only grossed $9.2 million, which is way less than Brad's Detroit. Yeah, Dr. And... Detroit even kicked that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know Take why. That, this Sean is such Penn. a good movie. This is such a good movie. Um, but... I am a big sucker for prison films. I love a good prison movie. This, that may be more than the That's audience a, is ready to hear. That's I know, I know, I know. That's your I t-shirt know, quote. But... Yep, it's being printed as we speak. Oh, come on. You've got a cast of, all right, Sean Penn, Isai Morales, Alan Ruck. Are you sure they won't know who we are? Not if you do what I say. Where have we seen him before? Uh, Ferris. Guys, come on. Ferris. Guys, yes. Cameron was in Egypt's land. Yeah, no, he plays a small role of Carl, which is Mick, um, Sean Penn, his best friend. Ali Sheedy? Come on. I had this dream that you you went away. So did I. (laughs) With you. I went over to your house looking for you. Your mother opened the door. She didn't say anything, so I went inside. And there you are, lying in this coffin, in a red suit. I don't have a red suit. <laughs> you have the strangest dreams. Wow. This is her debut film role. This is really? She plays, yeah, she plays Mick's girlfriend, J.C. And I have to tell you, Clancy Brown, this is his first role, too. Oh, wow. the we love, <laughs> We love Clancy Brown. I couldn't name anything else he's done, but I, you know, just because of the Kurgan, he's in. Clancy Brown, he's in Shawshank. Shawshank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Another (laughs) prison film I love. I love that. Okay, so plot line. Mick is a tough, um, hardcore gang kid in uh, Chicago in 1983. Uh, Me, I lived a sheltered life in 1983. Worst thing I did was buy some champagne and sneak into a dirty movie but this is a hardcore gang they're they are you know selling drugs snatching purses crossing against the light yeah he catches his buddy paco moreno played by isai morales um 
getting ready to do a big drug deal. And so Mick gathers his buddy, um, Alan Ruck, and so they're going to hit him and take the the money or the drugs or something. And the the crime goes wrong, the shooting, and Alan Ruck gets killed. Oh. Mick, yeah. No wonder he's a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah, he's a loser. He plays a weenie in every movie. Um, uh, poor guy. Yeah. Typecasting, I guess. But He is a weenie, I don't know. We'll have to get him on the show sometime. Yeah, good luck with that. Sean Penn's big crime is though when he's trying to drive away from the scene of the the shooting, he accidentally hits and runs over Paco's little brother, who's been trying to follow Paco into this world of crime and excitement. Michael O'Brien, you have committed the crimes of an adult. Your previous record of arrests is extensive and indicates a sociopathic personality. However, you are protected by the law. Your status as a juvenile prevents me from imposing the punishment you deserve. And until our criminal codes are revised to incorporate a more realistic definition of juvenile offenders, society will continue to suffer. It is the judgment of this court that you be committed to Rainford Juvenile Correctional Facility until such a time as your rehabilitation is complete. So Mick gets thrown into juvie. Sean Penn's really good. He did a lot of preparation to to get ready for this role. He I don't have any trouble grow. imagining that. Yeah. <laughs> he let no beat up was, some paparazzi. <laughs> I am personally not a big fan of Sean Penn, but this role, oh my gosh, you guys, you just love him. He's such a good bad boy. I mean, Hardcore. yeah, whether you like him or not as a person, he's a good actor. He's a really good actor. He, I mean, he had some great lines with um, Ali Sheedy, JC, his girlfriend. Anyways, he meets our favorite, most underrated bad guy in all of the 80s, Clancy Brown, who plays Viking Lofgren, the tall. I mean, he's six foot three for Pete's sake. Yeah. He's I mean, he's the Kurgan. Over. Come on, he's gigantic. Yeah, yeah. So while he's in prison, he works his way up, and I'm not a violent person, guys, but the best scene in the whole movie for me was when he takes the pop cans in the pillowcase, and that's all I'll say. Hey, scumbag. Oh, shit! open these guys heads and moves up to be he's the head barn boss barn boss later barn boss barn boss gets 40 percent of the cigarette action you forgot barn boss gets to give out the work assignments and uh, take his own barn boss gets time off his sentence if he stays cool and keeps the neanderthals in line you didn't know that did you so paco back in chicago now he's sent to prison. Coincidentally, there's a log jam in all the paperwork, and he has to go to the same place where Sean Penn is. Huh. So, who, who would have seen that coming? Yeah. I, I know. It's so coincidental. It's, what a coincidence. The supporting cast is really good. The little guy that plays Sean Penn's cellmate, um, I never saw him in anything else, but his name is Eric Gurry. He hmm. plays Barry Horowitz. He's there... 
fixing radios and, you know, he, he hot wires the fence and plans their escape. But the most defeating moment for me was when Viking picks up this radio that, that little Horowitz has planted to blow up in Paco's face. He turns it on and he starts rocking out like with the ghetto blaster on his shoulder to to the little river band. <laughs> it is uh, so like buzzkill. <laughs> totally. I mean that the, the whole scene is blown for me there. That's funny. but That's it funny. it does work. It does work, and Viking is you know put in the infirmary. Oh, that kind of reminds me of the scene in. Uh in Footloose where they're tractor racing and the, the tough guy farmer <laughs> kid pulls out his boombox and puts on holding out for a hero. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> well, have, have you ever met anybody that owns a tractor? I guarantee you they don't have that on cassette, <laughs> CD, vinyl, or anything else. I mean, they no, took okay. liberties in a movie? Jeez. But the mm. soundtrack but the soundtrack for Bad Boys is pretty good, though. I mean, aside yeah, from the Little River Band, you got a lot of Billy Squire on there, right? Yeah, no, I I like Little River Band, but it's just not it's a not prison, prison song. <laughs> there's, there's your T-shirt quote. I like the Little River Band, but they're not a prison song. <laughs> they're not a prison band. <laughs> not a prison band. No, it's a good movie. I mean, a lot all. of breakout roles for these people. You know, Alan Ruck, Clancy Brown, Ali Sheedy. This was their first big movie. Yeah. Here's here's my only objection so. to uh, Bad Boys is and it has, right. has nothing to do with Bad Boys. I love Bad Boys. I remember seeing it. Um, not in the theaters, but but um, probably on HBO back in the eighties, and and the yeah. soda and the soda can uh, in the pillowcase thing is definitely the takeaway from that movie. Pop can. No, it's only pop, pop. in the north. In the south, we say soda. <laughs> in Georgia, you call it Coke. In Georgia, it's Coke. <laughs> Flavor Coke. In Oklahoma, we called it Coke too. Yeah. So it's soda cans and uh, pop cans. It's my movie. What drives me crazy today is that you're you'll be coasting through cable and you'll be looking at the tv guide and it'll say one o'clock today bad boys and you're like all right bad boys only to find out it's not that bad boys it's the version with will smith and uh and what's his name yeah martin lawrence so, so that, that's yeah. not a that's not a remake that's just a same name same name actually they have like almost yeah. nothing nothing in common yeah. whatsoever um actually you think about a good movie you, you, we talk about remakes of 80s movies all the time remaking the nineteen endless version. love. Ugh, we'll talk about that one in a minute. But eighty three <sighs> bad boys would not be a bad one to remake. I could see that being remade. Oh yeah, take today's yeah, I mean, stars. You could pull that into any time. You know, right? Exactly. People are in yeah. gangs and dealing drugs, just like they used to be. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I love it. The only thing that bothers me is, is the tease that, um, you know, that I get like every weekend where I think it's on TV, but it's not yeah. really that version. I think it's still kind of like, I think you can watch it on Netflix though, right? Oh, yes. So, God, Netflix saves us. You know what else saves us? The Zeggies. Ah, oh, the Miss Gorfain of Reader Mailbag. Hey, um, we haven't had a lot of emails lately, but Kevin Wench sent us one this week um, about our last show. I've edited it down, but uh, Brad, you want to take a crack at it? Yeah, i got to do some calisthenics to get ready for this. It is a long letter, but uh, it's a good one. Um, do we want to hold our commentary or do we want to comment as we go? Uh, we'll, we'll hold our commentary. Okay, hold your commentary, please, and give me a chance to get through this epic. Uh, Kevin writes, 
Hey guys, and Carol Jansen on the remote remote chance she happens to be a co-host this week. What are the odds? Um, Sorry, I don't know. I'm supposed to hold my commentary. While a podcast is always a good thing, there was some sadness for me with your latest show, the still awesome and still lame hits of 1981. While I love my stuck in the 80s nation brethren, the top five faves were quite predictable. Heck, Steve even seemed bored with the top five. Just like 1980, I thought the lame songs were easy targets with little imagination. After the Air Supply podcast a few years back, I bought the Kool-Aid, I listened to their music in more detail, and now I like Air Supply without shame. But probably the saddest I felt was the bashing on country pop. A few months back, it was questioned whether a show could be devoted to early 80s country pop. It's a subgenre that, while cheesy, I have no problems with, and I've actually become endeared to it as time has passed. But obviously, all the co-hosts hate it, and so does the nation, evidenced by their votes. <laughs> the people have spoken. I'm holding my comments. I still think that it's an interesting topic that I can easily identify with since I grew up in the Midwest, where the urban cowboy phase was something I saw every day in the hallways of high school. Even Brad was raised in the Midwest. But if there are <laughs> others that like this subgenre, we now know better than to bring it up considering the abuse it took on the podcast. The greatest thing I like about 80s music is its diversity, but the votes imply a following of the masses. I thought I had my pulse on 80s Nation, but I am beginning to think I am an outlier. Events in the past couple of weeks have brought to the forefront the possible explosion of 90s nostalgia and perhaps the start of the decline of 80s nostalgia. Hmm. I've been seeing... <gasps> I know. Oh. I've been seeing more blog items celebrating 90s TV shows and music. The Super Bowl, which is the pulse of pop culture, looks like it might have abandoned 80s acts for halftime shows after throwing them out there every year. The Super Bowl Radio Shack ad, while fun, was more making fun of the 80s than celebrating it. And most 80s movie remakes these days are bombing at the box office. I don't know if it's more of a pro-90s thing or if we're tired of the 80s thing. Either way, it doesn't affect me much, as I still stay connected to the 80s ever since I first stumbled across the blog and podcast five years ago and rekindled my love and fascination of the 80s. And for that, Stephen Q. Spears, I will always be grateful to you. Signed, an urban 80s cowboy who still loves a rainy night, Kevin Wench. Wow. Okay, let's go through this because he makes a lot of points Ooh. here. We got a lot. To, and I wrote, him, I wrote him back something that was probably even longer. Than this, so I'm going to read that next. I I don't hate I don't hate uh, country pop of the early '80s. In fact, I think when I voted for the 1981 hits, I, I think I picked a couple of them for for both ones I liked and didn't like. You know, you know that was a funny show, Kevin. It, you're right. I, I was bored and I wasn't into it, and I feel really bad about that. But you I were just angry. I was angry. angry. I didn't like the picks. I didn't think there was anything fun. I think they were all songs we talked about before, and I didn't think there was anything new to say about them. And um, well, and that's I mean I think that's part of the way that we have the polls set up and maybe this is just not the way to do it but the the way we the way we do the polls you can vote for as many as you want right it's called consensus voting if you're curious uh, and what that does is it drives the common denominator stuff to the top so songs that everybody likes rise up and you're not going to get any outlier picks I will tell you I was absolutely shocked to see Devo make that list absolutely shocked. I don't know. I, I, I still think we could do a country podcast. I have no problem with that. I think it'd be fun. I think we'd need like a, we would need a country expert to be a co-host because yeah. I, I don't think I can speak with much authority about that stuff. And, you know, as I said to Kevin, I was telling you, you know, my biases against country music are not so much against the music as the people that I grew up with that listened to it. I mean, it was you know that was the music of my oppressors, so it was just not something I wanted to listen to. Carol, did you like? Where did you grow up in the eighties? Um, I was in the San Francisco Bay Area. This this was not a country scene. 
Huh. No. So, yeah. so you so, talked so, about urban cowboy. I had cowboy cowboys. This urban cowboy nonsense. <laughs> On his other point about '90s nostalgia, nostalgia versus '80s nostalgia, in the Radio Shack ad, I, I I agree. I thought the Radio Shack ad from the Super Bowl was making fun of the '80s more than celebrating it. I would agree with that. It was nice Aww. to see those people getting work, but yeah. Well, I'm a marketer, and I loved. Almost all of the Super Bowl commercials over the last couple of years, but this year just wasn't as good. The Radio Shack ad and the Clydesdales, but that's that's another subject. So I mean, I there there will come a time when eighties nostalgia will just kind of probably start to wane or become a super super niche. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the way it works. I mean, you know, time marches on, and yeah. suddenly we'll be talking about the twentieth anniversary of the Spin Doctors. You know, God forbid. I think we've um, passed the twentieth anniversary of the Spin Doctors. <laughs> Jeez, but um, but stuff like that, you know, I it's weird. I, I I'm I'm totally cool with um with trying to, to tackle country music. We just need if there's a country music uh, in the '80s uh, fan out there who wants to volunteer to be a co-host on that show, you know, please raise your hand because we could certainly use a little bit of expert help. Yeah, send, uh, send your application stapled to a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, it's uh, Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. It never hurts. Uh, and as always, we love your emails. Send them to sit eighties at gmail dot com, Steve in the eighties at gmail dot com, or Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Hey, we'll play a snippet of a movie from the eighties, and if you can get it right, um, glory, eternal glory, eternal glory, it will be yours. <laughs> Um, here was the not-so-mysterious movie clip from our last show. Earth's in danger, too, isn't it? And no, I did not use the Excalibur test. It was called a video game. Ah, yes, Centauri in The Last Starfighter. Robert Preston. The Yay! Man, the myth, the legend. What a guy. I think I've used that now like in three or four different podcasts. I feel bad about that a little bit. Best, best show ever. You liked our last Starfighter podcast? Well... That's when I, you introduced me. Yeah. You talked about every, everyone likes to hear their name on the radio. It's absolutely true. <laughs> I remember uh, Sean Daly and I went into a conference room at work pretending like we were having an important meeting. And we sat there and we watched uh, Last Starfighter on my laptop computer <laughs> right before we went and recorded the show. So everyone's like, where are they? Well, they're, they're in an important meeting. Leave them they're alone. Behind closed doors. Very important. Yeah, yeah. So, Brad, uh, read the winners. Winners this week include, and it is a long list, Doug Trevors in Miramichi, New Brunswick, Canada, Alex Millimeter Peter, Dr. Dim, Rick in Kenosha, Scott in New Hampshire, Eric in Alpharetta, Georgia, Pinhead, Matt the Big Mac McLeese in Waterford, Michigan, Kevin Serving Wench, Mike, I need a nickname, Bowsher. we'll work on that one, and Kevin, I live in Oldsmar, so that's a good enough nickname, Farrell. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. See, that's all I really want to do, Billy Boy. I want to leap off this pier and fly high in the air and hang out with the wind and drift with the clouds. And at night, with the moon full and the sea wild, I'd meet my lover high in a cliff and we we'd swoop down into the ocean and swim all the way and touch the bottom up through the dark water and break the surface and then we fly to Jamaica for Pina Colada. If you know it, 
email us at sit80s at gmail.com or brad in the 80s or steve in the 80s. And tune in next week to find out if you are a, Carol? Wiener. Ah, the mysterious refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, you know the drill by now. We play a snippet of a song from the 80s, and again, uh, if you get it right, glory. But this week, something extra special, right, Brad? That's right. That's right. We had the uh, fantastic montage that Gary and Gilroy put together for us, the countdown montage for our countdown show. Yep. And uh, I, was making a, uh, I was making a USB drive from, out of an old cassette tape for my wife for Valentine's Day because I'm such a nice guy. And uh, I thought, hey, I could make another one of these uh, very easily to give as a prize. So do we, is it a drawing or did we just get one winner? We only have one winner who one, got it one person all, got right. all So that winner will get, uh, will get the, uh, the prize. It was a picture of it on the Facebook page. Let's play the uh, montage one last time. There they are, nine songs. Are you guys ready to hear what they were? Hit us. Number nine was 99 Red Balloons from Nana. Number eight was 8675309 by Tommy Two-Tone. Number seven was Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. Anyone catch their reunion the other night on the Beatles uh, special? I did not. I've been meaning to look it up on the YouTube, but I haven't done that. They performed uh, Fool on the Hill. Um, Number six, Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. I think that stumped a lot of people. Number six was Cosmic. Yeah, yeah. Five I thought was the easiest one. I Can't Drive 55 by Sammy Hager. Uh, Number four was Major Tom by Peter Schilling. Number three, Paul Revere by the Beastie Boys. That was another one that was tripping people up. Yeah, I didn't get that one at all. Number two was Just the Two of Us by Grover Washington and Bill Withers. Mm, Great song. And number one, I Want Your Sex by George Michael. Wow. Gary did a great job. That it was, was those are hard. Yeah. Those really are hard. hard. A lot of people didn't get one. That was that was the most common one that people missed, I think. Oh really? Uh only Molly Jones from North Carolina got it right. So she gets the uh the mixtape. I'm gonna load it up with Devo. <laughs> a couple others came oh. close. Uh Cecil Calhoun got all but two. Uh Eric and Alpharetta got all but three. Uh Steve Crosby, our pal from Las Vegas, missed a couple. Uh and uh, Kevin Farrell only missed two as well. Brad, you say that uh, you you made one of these for Valentine's Day for your wife? I did. I did. A, a mixtape? I did, yes. Well, so Aww. like long ago, I'd made her a mixtape for Valentine's Day. And I thought, you know what? It's time to do that again. So I basically, I just doctored. I, I cracked open one of my old mixtapes. I could not on short notice find a blank cassette anywhere <laughs> in a store. So I had to like <laughs> dig through my bench out in the garage to find some old tapes. Took one apart and... Took the guts of a USB drive and put it in the what, cassette. What songs did you put on there? Uh, oh God! You don't have to tell us all, but just tell us. Uh, are there any on '80s on. ones on there? Yeah, uh, Hall and Oates is on there. Well, the new the, the new mix has uh, "Kiss on Your List." Um, let's see, okay. uh, "Madness." It must be love. Um, yeah, it's pretty schmoopy. It's did it have did it have "Number of the Beast" by Iron Maiden? I did not. You know what? <laughs> that just missed the cut. Uh. I, I, try very hard to send the right message with my mixtapes and I probably, you know, why analyze when you can overanalyze and that one just kind of seemed to send some strange, had some strange connotations. Carol, what did you get for Valentine's Day from your husband? A lobster dinner. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Delicious ocean spider. Yes. 
No, Steve, you asked me what was one of my favorite shows, and I have to say it was the mixtape because I am a sap at heart, and I love those things. You yeah, that was make a, mixed tapes. Those are that was the first. That was like the first real good episode that we did of Stuck in the Eighties. I remember doing. Yeah, that. I for Valentine's Day gave my girlfriend a journey marker. You so gave like her one a of pen. those coins. <laughs> it's not oh. has it's journey marker. It has nothing to do with um journey. <laughs> it uh, it's a sign that has like little arrows that um that point to like it'll say Paris, you know, three thousand miles oh, or okay. Saint oh, Peter's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took like her five favorite cities and I and um oh. I had um there's a company in Saint Petersburg that that makes them. It's actually the, her next door neighbor from when she lived there. And so I made one that points to Saint Petersburg and Baltimore and Paris and um Clearwater Beach. So I thought because she was she misses home so much living here in Orlando, so I thought she might like that. So that's cool. I gave that to her yesterday. Yeah. Um, pay attention now. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, again, you know the email addresses by now. Drop us a line. Tune in next week because Carol's got one last chance to call you a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This is Stratego. Not a place, not a time, but a battle of wit and skill and strategy. Stratego. We're generals. Field marshals, scouts and lieutenants, miners and spies all conspire with bombs and brains to capture the enemy flag, to win the battle, to win the game. Get Stratego from Milton Bradley. Victory awaits you. left um since we're talking about 1983 i wanted to, to to ask you guys we didn't pick any tv shows for our busts of 1983 but a lot of great tv shows that we all grew up watching actually went off the air in 1983 can you guys name any tv shows that went off the air in 1983 well may i may i brad please by all the, means as our guest i insist the, oh thank you thank you okay guys despite what jeff in cuba said last show the Greatest American Hero. That went off the air. It was short-lived, but my God, it had the best theme song. Oh, yeah. Joey Scarberry. Yeah, it was. And uh, while we're talking about short-lived but great shows, uh, Square Pegs. Square Pegs, air. right. Yeah, only two. The Humble Beginnings. The yeah, Humble Beginnings. Sad. We haven't done a podcast on Square Pegs yet, but we should, don't you think? I do. I do. Because so. that'll give me another chance to talk about Devo. Jesus. Um, they're they're in an episode. They're in the uh, Buffy's New Wave bar mitzvah, dot mitzvah uh, episode. They perform. Uh, Quincy M E 
I love that oh, show. Oh, loved it. That didn't that start the whole forensic science stuff? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He lived on a boat, which just just blew my mind. Living <laughs> in Western Oklahoma, I'm like, wait, he lives on a boat? How do you do that? Oh, good uh, stuff. Little House on the Prairie. 1983 was a fun <laughs> okay so little house on the prairie was shot here in southern california and it was shot out by where my wife grew up out in simi valley actually which is where drew lives now and she remembers going out to the set to watch them shoot and then like playing with the kids who were in the show oh wow yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah. that's so cool yeah i used to watch that pretty religiously that started uh anyone remember what year little house on the prairie started on tv Oh gosh! Before somewhere you deep were in born. the seventies, somewhere deep in the seventies, nineteen seventy-four. Wow, I wouldn't have thought that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that ran for a long time. Because by the end of it, it had changed cast three times. You know, yeah, really yeah. The other big ones from uh, nineteen eighty-three that ended: uh, Taxi, Chips, Laverne and Shirley, <laughs> Laverne and Shirley, and of hey. course, and of course, Mash. Mash ended in, yeah. in nineteen eighty-three. Oh. Never a fan of Mash. Really? Wow. Just what? No, it. I'm a girl. I didn't like that. It, no. I had hot lips Hulahan. What's what's wrong? Is <laughs> <laughs> she supposed to relate to that character? Yeah. <laughs> hot lips Jansen. I, I, I think it works. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. It doesn't have yeah, the same well, ring. Okay. So, nineteen three. have any of us talked each other into watching the movies that we defended? I'm never watching Dr. Detroit. Sorry. I actually really want to watch Dr. Detroit now. <laughs> it's... It's not terrible. You know, it has some, I know that's, that I'm damning it with faint praise. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, if it's on, it's, it's not terrible. There were some other good leading a double life movies, though. That, that yeah. one just doesn't do it for me. You, so you'd rather watch, say, just one of the guys? Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Secret of My Success, another one of my favorites. Brad, oh, yeah. that's on my iPad right now. Oh, jeez. Secret of My Success? No, just one of the guys. Just one of the guys? You have that it's on your okay. iPad? I love that movie. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody. He's got tits. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. My brothers did wear out that part of the VHS, though. <laughs> well, duh. It's pretty amazing, I gotta admit. <laughs> uh, she had cute clothes. Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so we're, we're at the end, and Carol, uh, you know, I think you did a great job. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love the 80s nation. Oh, they love you too. Brad, amazing. Amazing show. I, I, I'm really, you've got me turned around on Dr. Detroit. I'm going to. I think you should give it a look. I like you'll it so laugh, much. You will laugh maybe <laughs> at it more than with it, but I think you'll like it. No, no. And I like it so much, and I like Devo so much, I'm going to end the show with that song. So until next time, Brad, Carol, myself, and Dr. Detroit, and his, uh, what's his other name? Clifford Scridlow. Clifford Scridlow. We'll all remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly.